Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Good year? Did you have a good year? Yeah. Well, some did, and the jury's still out on some of you. It'll get better. We trust that it will get better. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start there this morning. I'm excited about this series. It's a, it's a new series that we launched today with a new year called Amplify. We're talking about hearing God's voice. And um, how many of you need to hear from God? Maybe you need to hear from God about your, your marriage or you need to hear about God in terms of a job or if you're single, who to date. If you're trying to figure out what school to go to, what school to go to. I know some of you are in that boat. You're trying to figure out what to do with your your future and, and making some plans that way. Um, I think all of us, we, we, we fall into the category of needing to hear from God from time to time. Not, we really need that all the time, but there are, there are moments and there are periods in our life where it's just critical, right, that we hear the right thing. I want to quote a verse to you this morning. James chapter 1 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously and to all without uh, gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him let's discuss this morning this important uh skill that you it's it's the really the most important thing you're ever going to learn in your life and that is how to hear god speak to you um i you know we well i'll get to that in a minute let's exodus chapter 3 verse 1 if you have your bible um, get it out and follow along with me. If you have a pen, there's a couple of things you might want to circle and highlight because uh, it, it's, this is a fascinating passage. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Okay, so Moses is working for his father-in-law. That's, you need to mark that. The priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Usually when we hear a sermon on prayer, and that's really, if I was going to put this series in a category, it's probably going to be the prayer category. Although when you hear that, you're probably tempted to just reach up and turn off the TV because it's, it's not, prayer is something that we struggle with. I think a lot of us have a hard time with this concept of prayer. But usually when we, when we hear it, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're talking more about what's being said to God. I've preached several sermons in the last year 
either about prayer or there are parts of the sermon where we kind of drilled down and got right into what prayer was. And one of the things I've said, and I'm going to say it again today, and really this series is about this, it's about the idea that praying to God, we, we have it in our head that praying to God is what we say to God, that that's the important part of prayer. When in fact, the most important part of prayer is our listening to God. It's what's being said to us. I think we focus a whole lot more on, on what to say. And I really think that if we, we think that if we could just line up the right words and say them the right way and get everything said in a beautiful, uh, melodic, um, you know, sing-song kind of manner, that we, if we could just say the right words and say them beautifully and, and, and you know, sound spiritual, that somehow that's going to unlock the keys, uh, the treasures of heaven. God's going to be forced then to put all these blessings on us because we said the right things. When in fact... I don't really think that's true. Now, I've, I've tried to practice. There's, there are some forms, some prayer forms, and I'm going to give you a couple of those this morning just to help you. Maybe you've never heard these before. Um, these are just some things that you can use to kind of help order your prayer life so that you kind of get things in, the, in, in what, you know, we would like to think are the right way. For instance, um, we typically treat God like Santa Claus, and we just start off asking him for things, Right? You just start asking God for stuff. God, I want this. Bless them. I need that. Can you help me with that? And, and we don't really ever, we get the order mixed up sometimes. So I want to give you a couple of prayer forms. One of them is ACTS, A-C-T-S, an acrostic, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration. Tell God that you love him, that you, you think he's marvelous and he's wonderful and there's no one that compares and he's beautiful. It's, a, it's praise. Adoration, confession, Tell God that you, you realize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that includes you. T, thanksgiving. Thank God for the things in your life that are worthy of thanks. Just pour your heart out to him. Let him know that you appreciate what he's done, that you realize it comes from him. Um, adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Supplication, which really is a fancy way to say ask. Notice that you're asking for things last that the adoration comes way before the supplication. So that's one method of prayer, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Another one is pray, P-R-A-Y. P stands for praise. Begin your, your prayers with praise. Tell God how wonderful he is. R is repent. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I don't want to do those things. I need your help, but I want to repent of those things. A is, is um, uh, ask or or you know a i'm getting my acrostics mixed up ask for things and then why is yield yield yourself to god and say god i'm all yours whatever you need whatever you want uh, i'm here for you there are all kinds of ancient prayer forms and i've got a book in my office that's got all different types of ways to pray one of them is called lectio divina it's this real involved scripture use uh, kind of thing which is great and i'm not knocking any of those things those are all valuable things and maybe some of that will help you to be able to pray better. That's a great thing. But it strikes me that what I really want to do in the, uh, today and in the coming weeks is I want us to learn how to hear from God better. It, it's, I would say that it's infinitely more important being able to hear from God than it is to be able to say the right things to God. We, it's typical of us. We're so, um, we're, we're so egotistical as Christians. We think that what we have to say to God is way more important than what God wants to say to us. When in fact, the single greatest skill you will ever develop in your Christian walk ever is the ability to hear clearly from God. Now I wanna give you a disclaimer before we get into this. 
Um, a lot of damage has been done by the church. A lot of damage has been done by Christians who claimed to have heard God's voice. God told me to do this, and so I want so-and-so to happen. I want this to happen. A lot of weird stuff has happened because uh, someone who claimed that God had spoken to them uh, made that revelation known, and, and you know this is because God has spoken to me, God wants you to do this, or we're going to do that, or churches have made huge mistakes because they thought God was speaking to them. And we, we want to hear God's voice. And this church tries to the elders have a meeting tomorrow night. We try to hear God's voice. I've had seemingly very spiritual people come into my office and sit down and say things to me that God told them were going to happen. Those things have not ever come to pass. They've told me things about a specific person. God's going to do this to this person. Well, I'm still waiting for that to happen. That was 10 years ago. You know, you put your antenna in the air and you'll hear people, well, God said this and God's telling me that. And, and it just it seems like it never ends. Let me offer this to you. People flew planes into buildings because they heard God telling them that's what they're supposed to do. Hearing God tell you something is a very dangerous thing. Now, that's the disclaimer. Because I've made that disclaimer does not mean that I don't believe that God's going to speak to you. I believe fully that God wants to speak to you today. I believe fully that God this week is going to be trying to speak to you. It's not that God's not speaking to us. The problem is oftentimes that we're not hearing what God has to say. But just because damage has been done, it doesn't mean that there isn't merit to the idea of, of hearing God's voice uh, you know the skill of hearing from God is important and hearing from him is something that we believe is going to happen for us now Moses is about to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt that's a pretty significant thing I don't know that you probably think that what you're doing is nearly as significant as what Moses had going on leading several million people out of bondage across the desert and you know that's a that's a pretty large undertaking you might think well you know Brett God's not really got that uh, in store for me but I would say this if God wants to speak to Moses about leading a nation out of Israel he can certainly speak to you and he can certainly speak to me he can talk to us about that spouse. He can talk to us about that date, about that plan, about that school, about this job, about um, should I or should I not spend the money on this or that or the other. So the first thing I want to say to us this morning, I've got four points this morning. We'll get through them fairly quick, I think. Number one is God can still speak to you. Now, I mean that on two levels. God did not stop speaking um, thousands of years ago god still speaks today there's a large constituency of bible scholars that that believes that when the canon was closed that is to say when the bible was finished that god doesn't speak anymore that god hasn't spoken since then that it's all written in the bible and, and in some ways it's true that the final revelation of god is the bible that that is true i mean nothing can be added to it nothing's going to be taken away from it but God still speaks today in general revelation. God speaks through creation. God speaks uh, into your heart. So that's the first level, but that's really not the level about which I'm talking this morning. I'm, I'm really talking more about the idea that, that, that the way in which God spoke to Moses. Before Moses heard from God, which was really a, a very magnificent way. I mean, you think about how this happened for Moses. He, he sees this bush. It's, it's pretty incredible. What was Moses doing before that? Moses is out herding sheep. He's on the far side of the desert. 
He's working for his father-in-law. Chances are pretty good that it was not in Moses' mind or thought, I'm going to hear from God today. God, God is going to appear to me. I'm going out looking for a burning bush because I just know God is going to appear to me today in a burning bush. Chances are good that Moses did not anticipate that that was the case. I think it's possible that there's several here this morning who feel as though whatever it is that they're doing is meaningless. That, that, that you know, Brad, I'm, I'm not significant. I'm not doing anything significant. I don't have any huge undertaking going on in my world. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just me. It's just me being normal. And I'm pretty much out of range of, of God's voice because I'm not doing anything significant. If I was doing something a little more flashy, then maybe God would want to say something specifically to me. I think it's possible that, that we could fall into that kind of line of thinking. But I want you to know this today. God speaks to those who are on the far side of the desert. And you don't have to be doing anything flashy for God to say, I'm gonna, I got something specific to say to you. A lot of people think that they have disqualified themselves because of sin or because of some indiscretion or some uh, downfall, some problem they're having or shortcoming. Just let me say this to you. If you think you've gone too far, if you think that you have done too much, if you think that, that you've done something that God could never look past, just let me remind you that Moses was a murderer. Moses was a, an Israelite baby who grew up in, in a, an Egyptian home uh, grew up as royalty basically and when he got older he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew and he killed that Egyptian and when he did he basically had to go on the run because he was afraid for his life and God speaks to him there on the far side of the desert he was tending sheep even though he grew up in the house of the king he was doing a fairly insignificant uh, thing I, I'll just offer this to you. I didn't say this in the first service, but I can still remember my preacher talking about Moses when I was in high school, and he said this. I've never forgotten this. This goes to significance. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was somebody. He spent the second 40 years of his life re thinking he was a nobody. And he spent the last 40 years of his life realizing that God can use a nobody. That'll preach. That's a good sermon. Take that to work tomorrow. Use that. You have my permission. I'll tell LD that you're going to do that. God can speak to you today. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've messed up. God can speak to you today. You may have slept with your girlfriend last night. You may have robbed a bank on the way to church this morning. Doesn't matter. God can speak to you where you are. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter whether you've got a clean history or not. Doesn't matter whether you've got a criminal record. God is interested in saying something to you. Okay, so, so, so let's get that clear. Now, he may convict you of something that you've done. He may want to speak to you and say, look, I want you to stop doing that. That's not good for you. That's, that's not glorifying to me. He, that might be what he wants to say. But he can speak to you, and he can locate you wherever you are and whatever you've done. Maybe you've ignored the whispers of God into your conscience. And God has spoken to you before, and now you're on the far side of the desert. God can speak to you there. There are no dead zones with God. All right, in the age of the cell phone, there are no dropped calls. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, God can speak to you today, right here, right now. Talking about cell phones, I heard a, about an office complex. These guys were going to, this is a true story. They, they had isolated this um, set of 
offices that they were going to move into, and they were all excited about it. They moved into the offices, got all their stuff set up, realized that they did not, that there was a dead zone for all, not just one of the phone carriers, cell phone carriers, but for all of them. And nobody could get cell signal. And it was kind of like, you remember back in the days when we had antennas on our televisions, if you touched the antenna right, even if you'd move your foot, you know, you could get the signal thing. The, the, the way this guy talked, you'd see guys out chasing signal out in front of the building trying to find some place where they'd get enough bars so they could make their phone call. Finally, somebody decided, hey, hi-ho, let's go buy a signal booster. So they did. They bought a signal booster, installed it there in the office complex. Now everybody makes cell phone calls in the complex, inside. They don't have to go out chasing signal all over the place. Some of you, I want to make sure I say this the right way because this could sound very egotistical, and I don't mean it to sound that way at all. And if you know me, you know what I'm trying to say here. I think for some of you, I am your signal booster. I think for some of you, you don't pray, you don't read your Bible, you don't really hang out with that many Christian people, you don't really have that many opportunities to hear from God. The only place you get that is here at church. Now, I would, I would that you were a prayer, and I would that you were reading your Bible. But it, the reality is probably that some in the room, I'm the signal booster for you, which should scare you in and of itself right there. For some of you, the only way that God's going to be able to speak to you is right here in this room. You know, I mean, I, I, I say that, that's not really true. God can speak to you anywhere, but, but the chances are maybe better here for you because you're, you're sitting still and you, you at least are semi-locked in. I'm not sure fully locked in, but semi anyway, and, and you're thinking about God things. Sometimes when you're the farthest away from God, he speaks the loudest. Sometimes it's on the far side of the desert that God speaks to your soul. Today, if you're on the far side of the desert, I want you to know that God does not, is not out of range. You're not too far away. You're not in a place where God can't reach you and talk to you. You can try to run. You can try to run away from God and say, well, I don't want to hear. It's not going to work. He's everywhere, and there's nowhere you can run and hide from him. You may as well go ahead and tune in because God is not going to stop talking. God is not going to stop speaking into your life. Ask Jonah what that's like. You know, if God can get to Jonah and speak to Jonah where Jonah was, he can certainly get to you where you are. You may have been unfaithful. God can still speak to you. You may have made a bad decision. God can still speak to you. You may have neglected him. God can still speak to you. So number one, God is still speaking to you. Number two, God is able to ignite the ordinary. This is a very important point to be made. I think that the attitude a lot of people have toward the story of Moses is, well, you know, that'd be great. If I heard, if God, God would present a burning bush to me and speak to me through a burning bush, I would do whatever he said. Moses is on the other side of the desert near Mount Horeb, which is just another way to say Mount Sinai, and Mount Sinai, is, we call that the mountain of God, the place where later Moses would go up and, and get the Ten Commandments. But it's important to note that Moses is not on top of the mountain when he hears this. I think we get ourselves into this place where we think, well, God only speaks when things are going good between me and God, and God only speaks when, when I'm on the mountaintop. God can only speak to me at a 
church conference where I'm jacked up on Mountain Dew and, you know, bad food and a good sermon. You know, that's the only place God can speak to me. I think sometimes we think we've got to be, we've got to, you know, achieve the summit and God then speaks to us when we're on the top. God, that's not where God's talking to Moses. Moses is, is out in the middle of nowhere. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep. There's nothing glorious or fancy about that, nothing flashy in what Moses is doing. Some of you would say, you know, I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a normal woman. I, I don't, I don't, there's no reason for God to speak to me. I mean, what, you would, what, what gets said, and, and I, I understand this, but I don't like it, and if you know me real well, you know how much I don't like it. But I, I get this thing, well, you know, I'm not a pastor or a preacher, so God doesn't talk to me like that. Like, I got some kind of hotline to God or something. And I, the fact of the matter is, I'm just like you. In fact, some days, if you knew what I was thinking, you probably wouldn't let me speak. I'm, we're all the same, okay? We're, we're, there's nobody better than somebody else, and God's not saying, well, I'll speak to him, but I'm not speaking to that one. And you say to yourself, well, because I'm not a pastor or a preacher or someone that's special, and, and that's what I pick up from you sometimes, not what I think about me, that God's not going to speak to me that way. And, and there's nothing special about Moses. He's tending sheep. He's out working for his father-in-law. It's no big deal. Couldn't get much worse. If God could speak to Moses where he was, he can speak to anybody anywhere. God takes something as ordinary as a bush and makes it extraordinary. He takes a natural thing and he makes it extraordinary. I know you think you have just this ordinary life and God could really not care anymore about you because you don't have, you know, it's not flashy for you. But God can speak to you through unexpected sources. And throughout the Bible, fire represents the presence of God. The bush is an ordinary object. So when, when an ordinary object or an ordinary person or an ordinary thought or ordinary experience is ignited by an extraordinary God, he speaks through those things. How many of you have kids and would say, well, my kids are just, they're ordinary. You know, I mean, I don't, we all love our kids. We're all proud of our kids. We have great kids, don't we? Got great kids. We love our kids. But I don't think we think our kids are like road scholars or, you know, gonna, gonna, you know, win a Nobel Prize or anything. I mean, they might. We might have some genius among us. But we probably would say we just got normal kids. We don't have any, you know, nothing special about them. They're just normal kids. But how many times has God used one of your kids to say something to you, gotten your attention, and you've heard God's voice in something that one of your kids said, and you went, oh my goodness. On the surface, the, the burning bush looks exciting, but it's not all that exciting. Here's Moses, he's busy, he's on the far side of the desert, he's not even praying probably, he's not looking to hear from God, I don't think that was the mission of his whole deal. He's just busy doing something and out of nowhere this bush starts burning and when God saw that he had turned aside to see the bush God spoke when God sees that you are serious when God sees you lean in like I, I think I think God may want to say something to me right here. And when he gets a sense that he's got your attention and you lean in and you, you turn to the side, it's when, it's when Moses turned aside 
is when God really decided that he was going to say something to Moses. And he will light on fire whatever that normal thing is in your existence that you finally lean toward to say, you know what, I, I, I know that's just a normal thing, but I think God may be trying to use something right there to speak to me. Advertising is a nightmare for advertisers these days. Because it used to be that you, if you wanted to sell coffee, what you did is you went and you bought airtime for one of three networks and you picked the spot and you sold coffee at eight o'clock during this show on Tuesday nights and you knew that your spot was going to run and everybody was going to see it because that was a popular show and you were going to get broad coverage. Then this crazy thing happened called cable and, and then we got into digital television. And this wonderful device called the TiVo box or DVR was invented. How many of you have DVR in your house? And how many of you, when you tape your favorite show, and I have a favorite show that I tape, and when I sit down to watch it from DVR, it goes, I, I fast forward right through the commercial, right? Right through those suckers. I don't even know what they are. And on my particular show, I think they even build in, they put, always put their logo before they start back up. And I just fast forward till I see the logo. Oh, there's a logo. I'm ready to go. I don't ever see the commercials. Now, some of them, how many of you have the kind that cut your commercials out for you? You don't even get the commercials. You have, see, I don't have one of those. I'm just... I just have the normal kind. These days, it's all about product placement. What they figured out is, if you're not going to be able to, if we're not going to be able to get them to watch our commercials... Uh, in the normal spots we've got to get creative about how we put our product in front of people because we want eyes on our product so they have this thing now called product placement one of the favorite shows in my house with me and and my kids Myra's, she watches it once in a while but but we like dirty jobs do you watch dirty jobs with mike Rowe? i love him he's just I, he just I bring him to jesus man i, I just love mike mike Rowe. he's great so if you watch Dirty Jobs, you can tell me what automaker is Micro the spokesman for? Ford. So product placement, what kind of truck does Micro drive to the job site when he's working Dirty Jobs? It's a Ford, an F-150. So let's do another one, American Idol. There are several sponsors for American Idol. One of them is Ford. Coke. So when you see all the judges sitting at their table, what do they have in front of them? So we assume that Coke is inside, but we're not, with Paula, we're not sure. But with most of them, <laughs> we're assuming that Coke is, in, is inside. That's product placement. That, that, you know, Coke has decided, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to get creative about how we put our product in front of as many eyes as we can. So um, God invented product placement. I mean, this burning bush is, is God's product placement. Hey, this is just a normal thing, but I'm going to put it right in front of you, and I'm going to make you look. I mean, you, you've got to look at this. Even if you're tending sheep on the far side of the desert, God will light a bush on fire to get your attention. It's product placement. We get in such a hurry, and we're out the door half the time. We're, we're not even paying attention. God places his product all around you. Listen to this, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. 
His product is all around you. He, he can speak to you through ordinary things, ordinary people. He can take the incidentals in your life and he can blow them up and say something to you that will rock your world and change it forever. God is going to get his message to you. That, that is a given. The real question is, are we going to do anything with it? Are we listening? The question isn't, is God speaking to me? Most of the time, the question is, am I listening? And am I willing to do what I'm hearing? To me, perfect product placement by God is a little baby. Every time I see a little baby, and I think they're great for other people. I'm done with little babies. But they're great for other people. But every time I see a little baby, the first thing my eyes do is they, my eyes are drawn to the small fingers and hands of a, of a, a baby, a newborn, and their feet. And, and the idea that their feet and their hands are connected, that that baby has everything it needs, it's all hooked up. May not, it's not developed yet, it hadn't figured it all out, but it's all there, and it, it all works. And, and you think, man, that, that little hand is going to grow up to be, if it's a young boy it's going to grow up to be the hand of a man and it'll work and it'll it'll have dexterity and it'll have talent it'll do things and it'll all it'll take its direction from the brain and i'm just i'm floored by just the potential that exists in a small baby i i listened to a lot of country music when you came in this morning you heard a country song playing it's george Strait. i saw god today i don't know if you've ever heard those lyrics but i want to what you heard him singing was this. His fingerprints are everywhere. I just slowed down to stop and stare. Opened my eyes and man, I swear, I saw God today. And then in this song, he's, his wife has had a baby and he's been with her and, and he's gone out to get a cup of coffee and he, he's gotten his coffee, he's going back and he says, got my face pressed up against the nursery glass. She's sleeping like a rock. My name on her wrist, wearing tiny pink socks. She's got my nose, she's got her mama's eyes, my brand new baby girl, she's a miracle. I saw God today. For some here, God doesn't need to say any more to you. You just need to do what he's already said. It's not about any new revelation. It might be that God's waiting on you to do something that he's been saying for a long, long time. And you know what? Have you ever given advice to somebody and every time they do, they buy something, do you think I should, you go shopping with them? Should I get this or not? Yeah, I like that. You should get it. Oh, I'm not going to get it. And they never take your advice. You ever get to a place where you just want to say, stop asking me. Because you're, you're not going to listen to me anyway. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe God gets to that place with us where we, you know, God, what should I do? Well, I think you should do that. Well, I don't want to do that. God, what should I do? Well, I think you should do that. No, I don't want to do that. And God finally would say, I think God wants, sometimes wants to say, would you just stop asking? I mean, why do you care? Why, why are you asking me? You're obviously not listening. You've got to turn aside. You've got to look. You've got to hear what God's saying. What, what is God saying through your husband? through your wife, through a good friend, who, someone who knows God, someone who walks with God, is spiritual, faithful, wise, has good things to say. You can tell they're in tune with God. Listen, when they tell you something, might be a good idea for you to lean in and listen to what God might be trying to say to you. If they're good people and they're trying to do what God wants them to do and they're saying, this is you know, what I think and this is what, what I believe God might be trying to say to you, might want to tune into that. Teenagers, I, I know that you don't want to hear this, you might want to listen to your parents. I mean, they're not as stupid as you think. I know they're, you know, they're not, their clothes are funky and their music's bad. And 
I got some. I, sometimes I just have to not say what's going through my mind because I get myself in trouble. God wants to speak to you today. And he speaks extraordinarily through ordinary things. And he may use your ordinary parents to say something profound to you. I know you don't think that's possible. But I'll tell you this. Kids, listen to me. It's amazing how smart my parents got when I went to college. Amazing how smart they got. God speaks to me through movies, through music, through books. I, how many of you have seen Avatar? Have you seen Avatar? I'm watching Avatar. Bennett and I went to see that movie, and halfway through it, I leaned over and said, man, there, this is, this is, there's biblical stuff happening here. Now, I don't think that the guy who wrote the movie thought, I'm going to communicate biblical truth through the movie Avatar. I don't think that at all. But there was a scene in that movie where I'm like, man, that you, that's something that you could put right in the Bible. How many of you have seen the movie Gran Torino? I know it's rated R, and I know it's got all kinds of cuss words in it, but that movie has Christ parallels all through the movie. How many of you watched the movie and thought, you know, I see Jesus in parts of that movie. Did you see Jesus in parts of the movie? I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end, but I'm telling you, if you watch the movie and you watch it through Christian eyes and you're thinking to yourself, if I was going to go to this movie with a non-Christian and then walk out and talk about Jesus, how would I do it? Start watching movies with that thought in mind. I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to watch it with a non-believer and when we walk out, I'm going to try and explain Jesus to them based on the movie that I just watched. You will be amazed at how God speaks to you through something like a movie or music or a book. He's speaking. Are you listening? That's the question. And let me tell you this. You can try and hear God a lot of different ways, but the best way you're going to hear God speak to you is right here. I mean, we don't add to this book. We don't take away from this book. And some people say, well, God's quit speaking after he wrote the Bible, but he gave you the Bible. This is God speaking to you. Let me, I got permission to, to um, share this with you this week. This is an email I got on Thursday. We baptized Sean Miller a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Sean is hungry to hear what God has to say for him. I just love that about him. But he sent this email to me and I sent him a note the other night and said, hey, could I use this material? And he said, yeah. This is the way he wrote. Brett, I was just sitting here doing my daily reading through the Glow Bible. And if you don't know, Glow Bible is a, it's a Bible software thing. Open Door has it. I would highly recommend you look at it. It's 100 bucks, but it is awesome, awesome. I was just reading through the Glow Bible. This is probably the coolest thing I've ever done, seen and done. I am just now starting to realize how cool Jesus was and is. I know I've said this a thousand times, but I feel God working in me so hard right now it is almost unbelievable. Every time I sit down to read something, like today, I read the Sermon on the Mount. That alone, I don't want to say cleared up, but just took me in a whole new direction, I guess you would say. I've never felt something like, uh, I've never felt something this strong my entire life, and I'm only more excited just to see where I'm going to be next. This is someone who's listening for God's voice. And he's in the word trying to figure out, God, what do you want to say to me? This is his P.S. P.S. I also think I might be interested in the mission trip to Chicago. Got to talk to the wife about it and see how things go. I can promise you, anybody with that attitude, God's going to speak to them. Anybody with that attitude is going to hear God's voice. Anybody that's doing this, I mean, that's spiritual. 
Now, I know Sean fairly well, and I, don't, I wouldn't classify Sean a Bible scholar, and Sean's in the room right now, okay? So I'm not saying anything that Sean or I, neither one, know. I'm not a Bible scholar. That's not what makes you spiritual, is how much about the Bible you know. But what makes you spiritual is not that you can quote book, chapter, and verse everything and say all the right stuff. What makes you spiritual is you might be totally messed up, but if you are in pursuit of what God has to say and you're willing to do it, you know, if God wants me to go on a mission trip, I'm going on a mission trip. That's spiritual. That's spiritual. And see, the thing about that is the only people that know that, and I wouldn't know it unless he'd written this note to me, the only people that know that are him and God. But when you tune in and you want to hear, God is there and God's going to speak. Number three, we must prepare ourselves to meet with God. Now, I know that I said earlier that you could have, you know, if you slept with your girlfriend last night or you robbed a bank on the way here, God can still speak to you. I, and I, now I'm going to seemingly contradict that by saying we, we must prepare ourselves to meet with God. Here's what I would tell you. When God spoke to Moses, he spoke very specifically, called him by name. And then before he said any more to Moses, what did he have Moses do? Take your shoes off. See, there's a general calling, and then when it starts to get specific, and he's really, you really want to do business with God, you take your shoes off. I want to, um, there are times that you can't approach God any further until you take certain actions and certain steps, until you do it the, kind of the right way, the right way being that you really get serious about it. And, and here's what I would say, you know, I want to talk just a minute about us preparing for corporate worship. We don't dress up at this church. We don't make a big deal about how you're dressed. Um, probably not a real good idea that you come in your PJs, but if you did, probably nobody's going to say anything to you. We, our building's not all fancy and all dressed up. That's, I mean, that stuff's just not important to us. What's, in, what's really important to us is what's going on in our hearts. That's important to us. All that other stuff is window dressing, and it's, it, to be honest with you, it's flashy and it's showy, and I don't really get into all that, and it's just what's going on on the outside. And so we don't take ourselves too seriously around here. We laugh and joke and have a good time. We're laid back church. You can bring your coffee in here. That's all great. We're fine with all that. We want you to be that way. But part of the problem when we become that kind of church is that it, it kind of leaks over sometimes in an, in an attitude toward how we approach our corporate worship. And we don't get on point for that. And that, I think, is, is, grieves God. I think that, that is a problem. Sometimes we come in and we're so laid back about everything else, we're laid back about our worship too. And I know that sometimes we go through the unholy hour before we have the holy hour, right? I know that on the way here, you don't have a whole lot of time to be praying and getting yourself all ready and get everything. All, you got screaming kids and coffee turning over in the car and you know bad people on the road trying to run you off and stuff like that. I get all that. But what I'm saying is, when you're coming to church, prepare yourself for what's about to happen. Prepare yourself to come in and lift your heart and sing. Prepare yourself to come in and take communion and pray. Prepare yourself to, to hear something maybe that I might possibly say that you'd say, you know what, I think God's using Brett right now to say something to me. And it's not just corporate worship. It's, it's all different kinds of worship. It's, 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 it's not just when we're here. It's when you're, when you're in your car. I mean, you, you just, there's, there are times that you have to be ready. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to take your shoes off because there are times when you recognize, I'm on holy ground. And, and God's not going to say any more to me until I get kind of in that place where I'm really 
serious about this. So he can speak to anybody no matter what you've done, where you are, but then there's this secondary stage where you've got to take your shoes off and say, okay, God, I know that's where I was. I know that's what I've been doing, but I'm in a new place. I'm going to start a new team at church called the Taser Team. You want to be on my Taser Team? If we catch you sending a text message in the middle of church, we're going to tase you. You want to sign up for the Taser Team? Sounds like fun, doesn't it? You need to hear from God. Sometimes you're not going to unless you come really close and you do it. Prepare your heart. Number four, God's voice reminds you of his promises. When the Lord first speaks to Moses, Moses hides his face because he's afraid of what he's about to hear. I think some of you think, you know, if God was ever going to speak to me, if he was ever going to say something to me, he's just going to speak condemnation all over my life. He's just going to tell me how nasty and horrible and bad I am. That is not what he did to Moses. Listen to what he said to Moses. He says things like, you know, I've heard the cries of my people, and I know that they're in bondage, and and that's caught my attention, and I care about that, and I'm going to do something about it. Exodus 2, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So when God speaks to you and me today, he reminds us of the promises that he's made to us. I want to be a signal booster for you this morning. I'm going to ask you to to do something for me here. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just bow your head and close your eyes because I want to speak some things over you. I just want you to be still for just a minute and we're going to go right out of this into our closing We'll pray out of this time. But there's some things I want you to know. I want you to know that God has forgiven you in Christ. And the record of your debt and your sin has been canceled. I want you to know that if you've not placed your faith in Christ, you can do that today. And even now, if you would call out to him, he will rescue you. He will hear you. Some of you today are suffering great loneliness. God wants to remind you that he is a friend. He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you or forsake you. Some of you think that you don't matter. That you're just a sheep herder, that you don't make any difference. God wants you to remember that before you were born, he knew you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many days are in your life. You are a unique contribution. You are a signature painting. You are a masterwork. Some of you today are insecure. God wants you to know today that your life is in his hands. He reminds you that nothing happens to you by accident. God's promise today is that he loves you. He sees you. He is with you. He is for you. God is your God. He is personally acquainted with you. He connects with you. He convicts you of sin. He shows you your sin and he doesn't cover your sin. He takes it away. If you're in a sin pattern this morning and you cannot overcome it, God's love, God's power is sufficient to help you overcome that. And now, Father, as we have started this new year and we want to be a praying people, help us to see that praying is so much more than talking to you. A lot of times it just involves listening. 
God, maybe the challenge ought to be that we spend as much time listening as we spend talking, at least as much time. Your voice is hard to hear among the many voices that we hear and all the noise that we make in our life. But Father, we believe that you are speaking to us. We want to hear you. Father, I pray that when we do, we would have the courage to do what you're telling us. That's the hard part. Help us to hear your voice in the incidental things. Help us to hear your voice in the everyday, ordinary things. Light a bush on fire, Father, and speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.